Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Hi and welcome. I'm Ellen Trackman here with Jennifer White. Hi, Jen. Hey, I'm here. Um, so we're going to talk celebrities, which we've done a little bit in intro before, but a different oh. kind of celebrities for the intro. Uh, okay. so I feel at this point that all of our guests on our podcast are total celebrities in them. In their yes. Own, right. Um, and, uh, I know that both of us have had a chance to have some celebrity in-person sightings. So I thought you, I let you share what celebrity that's been a guest on our podcast. Have you seen in the last month or two? Oh my goodness. I have seen so many of them. I'm afraid I'm going to leave some of them out. If you ask me that question, uh, I've been to a couple of conferences recently. So I'm like, I I feel like there's, there's a lot of them. Um, I definitely have seen Cara Rubenstein. Uh, I saw Carol Lieber Wilkins. I saw Julie Bindeman. Um, there were a few other people wow. there at that same place. Oh my goodness. See, now I'm going to like, uh, Melanie Mickelson, uh, Dr. Catherine Go. I, and so many people. For those who join our Facebook, you can see pictures of us sometimes. I know you post a picture with Dr. I did Go. post of some of, and I have pictures of, I think all of them except Carol Lieber Wilkins. Cause we got caught up in discussion and then they started like actually presenting again. And I was like, Oh crud, we actually should be quiet now. So I didn't take any pictures with her. <laughs> what know, about you? You know, that's funny that you say that because we were not at the same conferences, but one of my own celebrity sightings is Carol Lieber Wilkins, who I saw last week. So <laughs> clearly we were seeing the same celebrity on different coasts of the country. Um, I also saw many celebrities. I was saying I went to this conference. I saw at least like 20 guests, but a few that come to mind, uh, Lila Bradley, who did an amazing oh, yeah. episode about um, the just adopt myth. I love that one. Uh, Eve Wiley, who is a total celebrity and star mm. in my book, who is such an advocate for um, those who are victims of fertility fraud and others in the donor conceived community. And her story just still blows my mind about what she discovered and all that she's been through um also professor jody madeira who's another huge voice huge advocate so i'm always just so excited to see the people who've been on our podcast and have so much admiration for them and always excited to expand that and here today we have another person who i admire and i'm excited for us to share and has real celebrity sightings i mean (laughs) and has real celebrity sightings these are real thank you i I was gonna say ours are real too they're real to us more in the the traditional yeah exactly actors and such welcome stephanie levitt to the show from family match consulting stephanie thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me Yeah, no, we are so grateful for you taking the time. So we always like to start by giving some background of our guests um, to our audience who may or who may not already know you, but may very likely know you actually. Um, But do you want to kind of give a little background of who you are, how you introduce yourself, and then we can talk about how you got into this world? Long walks on the beach, (laughs) sushi, all the things. Um, sure. So I am the founder and president of Family Match Consulting. We're an 
egg donor, sperm donor, and surrogate search and consulting firm, helping guide clients through that process. Um, I am also the co-author of the children's book, From the Start, a book about love and making families that speaks to all the awesome, beautiful ways that families are created. Um, and I am very passionate about the field that I feel so fortunate to work in um, as a result of how I came into this world through adoption and also how my children came into this world through IVF. Wow. All right. There's a lot to unpack there. You like you <laughs> know, your pitch like, version of it, but we got to back up. You got to tell the whole story. So. <laughs> okay, so go back. I mean, I guess I had to take from your book, like from the start, right? Like tell about your history, what's brought you here. And then obviously talk through your journey with your kids too. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll take it way back to before I was born, um, a story about my mom. Um, so my mom was 13 years old and complained to my grandparents about a stomach ache and they oh, kind wow. of like brushed it off. Um, but it kept getting worse and worse that they took her to the hospital. And what they discovered was an infection that had become so severe, it turned into gangrene. And the only way they thought they could save her life before she went septic was to give her a complete hysterectomy at 13. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah. So that's what happened. And thankfully she survived. And, um, but you know, at the age of 13 to learn that having a family or having kids in the quote unquote traditional sense was just never going to be in the cards was really jarring. Um, and when she was 17, she met my dad and had a big crush on him and (laughs) they started dating and she was terrified to tell him because she's like, who's going to want to be with me if they know this big secret that I have. And so she didn't tell him. Um, but then to her surprise, one day he got on one knee with a ring and proposed marriage and, she just started crying and she said, I have to tell you something before I can answer that. And she told him and he cried and she cried and he said, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And then he got serious and he said, um, so we'll adopt, like, are you going to marry me or not? (laughs) That really brings me to yours. Yeah. Um, and so that's what they did. And, uh, I came first and later came my sister and my brother and my parents are still together today. They live five minutes from me. They've given me just the best life. Um, I feel like I have the best parents in the world and just knowing my mom's story and also how open she was with me and how she just celebrated how I came into this world that I came in from love and that will tie into the book we can talk about later. But I just love the idea of helping people like my parents to start and grow their families that this is the path that took about 21 years ago. Um, and then to just even further my personal, um, you know, interest in this work, um, 10 years into doing this work, I was diagnosed with unexplained infertility and nothing worked. IVF finally, finally did. And I'm so thankful for my little eight and 10 year old miracles, but this is all to say, you know, this is so much more as it is for so many of us who work in this space, you know, more than a job, more than a career. I consider it to be my life's work. And I feel so profoundly grateful to be able to help people in this way every day. And how did that translate, your story translate to working in the area? I mean, not many people 
you know, when they're asked what they'll do, what they'll be when they grow up, like an astronaut or veterinarian, or I'm going to be a surrogacy professional. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, I feel so lucky. It was, it was just random and fate maybe, but I um, was trying to figure out. So my last life was an actress. (laughs) Oh, wow. I was a theater major. I just loved the stage and performing and, you know, did the whole like driving to auditions, going into a room for five minutes, sitting in traffic for an hour after. And it's, it's so hard and so much, and waiting tables, that whole thing. And so I, it just got to the point where mm, I have to make a choice. I'm at a crossroad in my life. I was in my early twenties. I was really young, but I was just ready to kind of find something else. And I, I came across an ad for a local agency, an egg donor and surrogate agency in my little town that I lived that was um, hiring for a part-time admin assistant. And so I was like, egg donation surrogacy, what's that? That's so interesting. And it just felt like I felt so connected to the work they were doing that I applied, started working there. Um, Again, was part-time just like answering phones. And within two years, I was a manager of that agency. Um, I just fell in love with the work. And from there, I left and started my own egg donor and surrogate agency, um, which I ran for 10 years before selling the agency and then starting Family Match. So that random ad on Craigslist, Craigslist, like just changed my life. Craigslist strikes again, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before you transitioned to a more serious career, were you in anything? Can we find you on IMDb or anything? <laughs> um, I will tell you my claim to fame. My friends yes. make fun of me for this. <laughs> they laugh. They said that dog had a bigger part than you, Stephanie. But I <laughs> am a huge Blink-182 fan, always have been. And don't blink because you might miss me, but I am in the All the Small Things Blink-182 <gasps> music video. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but I was more on stage like I performed like in the Laramie project and just different oh. um different shows in in Santa Barbara and Northridge and different places that was my love I love it um and we I will say for listeners we have had a crossover actor slash art attorney right? yes 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 I, exactly yes we're kindred souls <laughs> I'm married to a theater major. It's all good. So I- yes, I knew I liked you. Hi. <laughs> so okay. So you got like you, again. You've given us like the really like quick overview. Like, tell us about what you do now and kind of how that brought you also to writing your book. Those two things are, are really big things, right? Yeah. So with Family Match, you know, and and you both know the world of agencies and I value agencies so much. They obviously have such an important role in this process. Um, But what I saw within the traditional agency model of go to an agency or a few agencies and try to find the right egg donor, go to a sperm bank, try to find the right sperm donor or, you know, surrogate through agencies. There can be a lot of challenges within that model. One of them very simply is the fact that not every sperm bank, egg donor agency, surrogate agency is going to have the right match for clients at any given time. And so what can happen very often is intended parents kind of hoping to come into this process quickly end up waiting far longer than they hope to, to, you know, start this journey. And so I wanted to create, what was that? 
Oh, I was agreeing. Absolutely. Yeah. So often. So often. And I thought there's just got to be a different way to help guide clients and get them on their path faster. And so that's kind of what led me after selling my agency to create Family Match. And the way we go about helping clients is through, we work collaboratively with agencies throughout the country that we know, we trust, we vetted, who give us access to their candidates so that we can cast a really large net, A, match clients much, much faster than sitting on, you know, maybe a two-year-long wait list, as some agencies quote, um, but also really focus on finding the right candidates for them because we can cast such a large net, we can be really selective in, in terms of what they're looking for. Um, and really also just help guide clients, advocate for them, um, give them confidence in knowing they're making the right choices on this path. Because as you both know, this is so big and so scary and people mm -hmm. coming into this world, like they're not supposed to know how to do this. As I like to say, right. you don't know what you don't know. Totally. And I think that model has really worked and is really appealing to many including, because um, I know you, we, we have to ask you about this, including some celebrities. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, do any name dropping? <laughs> well, I can I can share um, a few of the clients who I'm, you know, allowed to share that I've helped and I'm so grateful to have been able to work with them and for them to be out in the media kind of talking about surrogacy and sharing their experience. Um, and and um, some of those clients, um, so Jen Atkin is a client of mine. Um, we helped her through two of her um, surrogacy journeys for her two kiddos, um, Paris Hilton, uh, Maria Manunos, um, who is in process now, who I just adore. She is mm. one of the best people Aww. I know. Um, and it's what's so profound about working with these clients is, is that, um, you know, they come in really, really scared for all the reasons that all clients are, but then you have this added layer of, gosh, people are kind of nuts and care about my personal life. And how can I navigate this where my privacy is protected? And that's really yeah. scary to match with a complete stranger. You know, they're a stranger at the time of matching to do this epic thing of carrying their child. That's really scary for all people, but almost especially for people in the public eye, because they're so used to just people putting a microscope on their lives. And so um, we have a program tailored to clients with privacy concerns so we can help get them through this process while making sure that um, their privacy is protected. Because just like everybody, you know, people in the public eye get to decide who, what, when, if they share what with, and, and we want to honor that. Right. And it's got to be such a concern for the gestational carrier that works with them as well, because I'm sure if it comes to light that they're working with a celebrity, it kind of puts them under the microscope. And, you know, 100%. For, for many surrogates, we already feel like they already feel like oh, the intended parents care what I'm eating and what I'm doing. And, you know, they're kind of watching every move, too. But, oh, my, add the add the media and. Oh, if you go for fast food, that could be really... Right. Oh, gosh. Is. Yeah, no, you're so right. And so some of these privacy kind of protections we put into place are not just to protect the intended parents and their information, but also to protect the surrogate. You know, these are women who do not live their lives in the public eye. They are not accustomed to having that kind of level of scrutiny in their lives. And, and we want to avoid that for them and their family for so many reasons. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I am always so thankful for celebrities who share their story and are very open about 
using assisted reproductive technology, having the help of a surrogate or a donor, because I think the more that's out there, the more people feel less alone. But I also have this concern because we certainly get these misperceptions too that, oh, surrogacy is what celebrities do only and not Mm -hmm. regular people. How do you kind of approach that or deal with that dichotomy? Yeah, well, I will... um... I, I completely agree that it's it's amazing when these people go out and talk about their journeys and I'll I'll share that, you know, anytime that happens, it's like our phone system knows it. They're like, oh, someone just announced surrogacy because our phones just stop start ringing off the hook. And and what's so cool is when I'm talking to these people calling after an announcement from someone is made. I can't tell you how many times there are tears on the other side of the phone saying so-and-so posted, I didn't think I could do this. Like they've made me realize like I can at least make this call to you and learn about it. It's like they really, um, yeah. And it happens every single time. And I don't even know if some of these celebrities realize like the, the profound kind of ripple effect them talking about this publicly has on the community of people who are struggling to have a family or considering, you know, things like egg donation, surrogacy, whatever. So um, I just think it's incredible. And then what drives me absolutely insane about what people think about celebrity surrogacy is that there's this huge misconception that they just don't want to carry the pregnancy. They don't oh, want to give the baby. That makes me insane. Oh my God. It makes me insane. And, you know, as someone who works with this um group of clientele on a day-to-day basis, I can tell you that is just not the case. There's always things, reasons that nobody has to share about in public, but there's so many layers of reasons as to why somebody comes into, say, surrogacy. And it's never because they don't want to gain the baby weight. It's just not that. And I see so many comments on social media um, when someone announces and it's like, I want to go to bat for every client and just go, you have no idea. I mean, I can't do that, Um, but I have to like sit on my hands and just like, so I, I, anytime I can share about it, I just want to say like, until you walk in someone's shoes, you just can't know all the layers and it's not our business to know all the layers. Right. I remember when I think the first big one, like in recent memory, was of course when Kim Kardashian, right, came out yep. using a surrogate, and I I got that so much afterwards that people are like yeah. she just didn't want to get fat, and I'm like she actually publicly spoke about why she needed a surrogate, and so it's like it just got swept underneath, and so like I do the same thing. I find myself bristling, going, yeah. no, I actually do know why she used a surrogate. I mean, because she publicly stated why she used a surrogate and the medical reason for it. It's like. Ah, like this is it's it's good though. Double-edged sword, right? Like exactly what you said, that people are like, I didn't know this was even an option. So it's so helpful, but then you're like, uh, the mis the misperception can be so hard. It is so hard. There's just so much judgment and so many assumptions that people made. I mean, we all know here there's just so many reasons that like I hadn't even thought about when I started over 20 years ago in this field. Like you think about something like surrogacy and you think infertility or a same-sex couple. And that is why, you know, a person would turn to surrogacy. But for example, you know, I've worked with so many clients over the years that are taking a medication for their mental health or their health in general that is unsafe for pregnancy, but it's what allows them to have, you know, the life that they deserve to live. And so they have to make a really hard choice. Are they fertile? Sure. Could they carry a pregnancy? Yes. However, it could destroy their life to do so. And, and who are we to judge that, you know, surrogacy is the path that they decide to take. Exactly. Exactly. 
So an interesting thing, since you've, you've been in this long enough to kind of watch the spread of things and you deal with egg donation, which which we what I don't as much, so I'm always fascinated to hear other people's opinions on this, is that what have you seen on the change as the world has gone to, you know, de-identified and more towards mm. much more open egg donation? How has, you, how has that affected you and what are you seeing? I'm so glad you asked me about that because this is a topic I'm really passionate about. Um, and I, I, I will get to that answer, but I, I feel compelled to kind of take it back as to why this matters to me. Um, but when I, um, so people always ask, like, when did you find out that you were adopted? And my answer is always um, the same, which is that I've just always known because my parents shared with me that I was adopted before I could understand like what the heck the word adopted meant. And so sure. I've just always known and they framed it as a celebration of love, like my birth mom wanted, um, didn't, uh, wasn't able to give me the life that she knew I deserved to have. And she loved me so much and wanted to give me the best life. And my parents had so much love to give. So it was always framed as a celebration of love. And so they were just so open with me. Um, I had the um, amazing experience of meeting my birth mom when I was 18. She's still in my life today. Her name's Amy. She lives in Illinois. Um, Her sister lives like 10 minutes from where I live. My aunt Stacy, who's like become one of my closest friends. She gets together with my parents. Amy comes into town. We have barbecues. Like, like it's this extended family. My kids call my birth mother, aunt Amy. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's really just become this, this extension of my family and, and meeting her and getting to know her has really helped me understand who I am and where I came from. You know, my mom didn't have a photo of Amy ever until we met. And that was always something I was curious about. Now, I know some children who are born through egg donations, sperm donation adoption, they don't have the same curiosities as others. I did. You know, I'd see somebody walking down the street who looked like me and think, hmm, I wonder. Um, And and you can't help but just be curious. And so for me... Can I ask, did you grow up in Illinois or did you grow up in... Like, was that even a possibility? Did Again, I don't know if your parents would have disclosed that part at that point in time, but was that even a possibility that you could have run into your birth mother at that moment? Yeah, so I was born in Southern California. That is where Amy lived um, okay. when she was pregnant with me. Um, and she moved to Illinois after. I didn't ah. know she had moved. So I was okay. born in Southern California, raised, never left Southern California. So yeah, I okay. knew she Got was it. there. So, yeah. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so so for me, you know, when, and, and prior to like genetic testing and, and this thing that now does make secrets like unable to exist, I would have so many clients come and say like, I need a donor with the same blood type because we don't plan to tell them that they were conceived with the help of an egg donor. Uh-huh. And that was always really <laughs> That's hard. That's not going to help me. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I would always share my story and how it's really helped shape me in a positive way psychologically in terms of just like, you know, like I said, like allowing me to know who I am, where I came from, um, and also not treat it as like this dirty little secret because there's shame associated with that. There's a difference between something being private um, and a secret, and privacy is allowed, but a secret can make a child feel like their story is wrong or bad in some way. And so 
when it comes to this idea now of an openness with donors, I'm all for it. I think um, it's a positive experience for the donor. So this is less transactional in terms of knowing the family she's helping to create in some way. And that relationship can exist on a spectrum where they meet once or stay in touch and, and that's all fine. But also for the child to have the opportunity to learn about their heritage and their background and their story, I think is profoundly important. And, and by the way, I understand the fear as a parent, like your mom, you do not want somebody to come into your life and, and, and take your child away. Like that's a fear my mom always had. And she's very open with me, but it's just so funny now with the relationship we have with Amy, like she's my mom. She knows that Amy, like I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for her. And so there's this like mutual respect and gratitude that we all have for each other, which is the same in adoption as it is in, you know, egg donation, say. Did you um, meet or were curious about your paternal side as well? Oh, that, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> that's another podcast episode. Um, no, it really is a fascinating story, though. And speaking of um, genetic testing, um, there, there's so many more details, but I, I decided to do it about five years ago just to see. I, I had known that he passed away before he even knew I existed. I had learned that years before, but I wanted to know about my heritage. And I, I, I had no, learned years before he didn't have any other kids, wasn't a big family, like that book was closed. There was nothing more to learn until I log into Ancestry. <laughs> um, and at the top of my like genetic links is a picture of a woman named Samantha with glasses and brown hair who looks just like me, who's about oh. my same age, who lives in Los Angeles, who oh. it says she is my half sister on oh, wow. my biological father's side. I wow. was Lord. Wow. Yeah. So did you meet her? Yep. Yep. We are in touch and she's awesome. And um, we've gotten together a number of times in the last few years. But here's a perfect example of why secrets are really dangerous for a lot of different reasons is through Samantha learning about me and us connecting. It was there were a lot of layers that we had to peel away to figure out how this all made sense. And the what what yeah. we discovered is that her dad, who is her best friend, who is her rock, um, is not actually her biological father. Oh, um, she didn't and know. we share she didn't know and he didn't know either <gasps> oh no i know i know oh, um but bless him you know when this all came to light it was of course very painful for everybody but his response like kind of like my dad like will adopt is like that doesn't change anything you're my daughter um now there were some tough conversations that you know had to happen with mom but um right. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it really didn't change anything because it's, you know, what I believe is love, not blood makes a family, which is what prompted me to write the book. Yeah. And we, I hear that concern not infrequently about from donor conceived people or as well as the victims of um, like doctor donor fraud, yeah. where they'll mm -hmm. match with someone new and they're like, I'm probably the first person telling them like they likely Ugh. don't know about their biological history and that can be traumatic to be the bearer of that terrible news it really is and as i 
so I figured it out before she did because we started sharing messages back and forth and I said, oh, your biological father must be Jim. Oh my God. Like we we're just going, and she's like, oh no, mm-mm, that's not him. And I knew that was my biological father. Oh, and so immediately I kind of shut off, shut down and I did the math, looked at the Sunny Morgans, how related we were, like just put, wrote this tree out and I'm like, there's no other explanation. And I said to her, I said, well, um, I, 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 I don't know, but like, you know, if, if this is something you want to explore, go for it. I'm going to step away. Like, I don't want, just kind of like cut the ties and put the ball oh. in her court. Cause I didn't yeah. want to be that person. And yeah. she wanted to, she's like, no, I, I want to figure this out. I already figured it out. I'm like, Ooh. um, but she started putting the pieces together to her, herself and then, you know, came to the same conclusion I did, but I didn't want to be the one to like shove that in her face. If it wasn't something like a door she didn't want to walk through. Yeah. And now being a professional in the area who has, clients come to you knowing they need to turn to a sperm donor or egg donor, what do you advise them as a best practice to kind of avoid these unfortunate and difficult situations? Yeah. I mean, my best advice is to be open and honest with your child or children about their story um, and, and really frame it in a positive way because it is a positive thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's humans coming together to create life and there's nothing more profound or beautiful than that. Um, and to like start saying the words while pregnant or what, during the pregnancy, surrogate pregnancy, whatever it is, like even start saying it out loud. So you become comfortable within yourself to tell the story so that it becomes like second nature when the child's born, because I think how we frame our child's conception story, birth story is what they're going to carry with them through life. And if it's shrouded in secrecy and shame, I, I don't see how a child cannot feel that subconsciously. Yeah. But what if I don't know how to speak to my child and I don't have the resources? Is there a book out there? <laughs> um, <laughs> funny you should ask. Um, yeah. So, you know, working in the field for so many years, I'd have a lot of clients, you know, have their child and reach back out to me and say, gosh, we want to start talking about, you know, their story, but are there any resources that you can recommend? And, and there are, there's some amazing children's book on the market that speak to all these ways families are created, but most of them will only speak to like adoption. Like here's a book to explain to your child about adoption or egg donation. And I think that's amazing and important, but what I wanted to create was a book that would speak to all of these ways, but help give children the context of like, this is how I came into this world, but there's also all these other amazing ways that families are created. And so um, I co-authored this book from the start, a book about love and making families and any parent, whether it's a single parent, coupled parent, married, heterosexual, um, and anybody can pick up this book and read it to their child and it will tell their story. And it speaks to all fertility treatments, IVF, um, egg donation, sperm donation, surrogacy, adoption. It tells all these stories so children can say, aha, this is how I came into this world. But like, wow, look at all these other ways too. And they're all good and right and beautiful. Is there a best age that this book kind of speaks to? Um, I'd say two to eight, two to 10 is a really good age group. You know, at two, they're not going to really understand these things, but I think just like my mom explained adoption before I could understand what the words meant, it just helps plant the seed. Um, 
you know, about the topic and also helps the parent kind of start to get comfortable with having conversations like these. Yeah. Um, what do you find one of you to be the, one of the biggest challenges when you talk to clients or in your world of helping people that you wish people knew coming into talking to you or coming into the process? Hmm. That is a good question. And there's one thing that comes to mind and Jen, I'd love like for you to chime in on this too, because, um, you know, this is your world as well, but, um, you know, I think so many people are so fearful coming into surrogacy. Understandably, it is a big, huge, scary process, but if you have never met a surrogate before, you know, you have these ideas of like, gosh, is she going to take care of my child? Is she going to follow instructions? Is she going to do all these things? And I, 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 is she going to do drugs? Is she going to do drugs? Oh my gosh. She's not going to do drugs. I'm like, she doesn't do drugs. I I mean, I I have no way except to verbally like tell you, like, I promise you she is like, (laughs) she's not. (laughs) And so I think it's, it's, um, getting them past like these misconceptions of who surrogates are like surrogates are incredible women their moms who've had healthy pregnancies who genuinely want to help someone else have a family and do right by the baby and parents um and and so i and it's hard to explain that and have them feel it and believe it and they they will eventually as they go through the process and move farther along and meet this incredible woman who helps you know through the process but there's a lot of misconceptions about who surrogates are and so much fear that comes into it i'd love to hear like your thoughts on that um, yeah, I see the same. I mean, I definitely, I mean, and that's why I, I'm joking. I mean, I, I can joke about saying this question, but I actually get that question all the time. How can you guarantee yeah. she's not going to do drugs? And I'm like, totally. Cause she's not, how can you guarantee she's not going to eat McDonald's every day? I'm like, well, cause there's a lot of things out there that actually make like her BMI has to be within range. I'm like, if I eat McDonald's right. like once I like balloon up. So. <laughs> I mean, but you know, the other big fear, like there's, well, there's a lot of them, but like big ones, like, is she going to take our baby? And yes. you know, I think a lot That's of the one I get all the time. Is she going to change her mind? Yeah. And, like, and, and baby? what I think is interesting in the intended parents really have a hard time understanding, conceptualizing until they've been through it. Cause, and you can't until you've been through it. Right. Is that actually what becomes way more important to the gestational carrier. It's far less about the baby. It's much more about the relationship with the parents and that growing family. And so like we actually see a lot of gestational carriers after a birth, really they're not mourning the baby because everyone's like, oh, did you miss the baby? Are you sad you didn't bring a baby home? And they're like, no, I'm sad that they are too busy to talk to me now. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mourn the loss of that really intense and close relationship that we developed during this time frame. And yeah. so it, it's hard to understand that as a parent because your, your fear is really natural, right? That, oh my goodness, you know, like we've been through so much. This has been so hard. And now we're terrified we're not going to come home with a baby. What's the worst case scenario, right? That she takes the baby, she does drugs, all those things. And what they don't realize is that on the other side, the gestational carrier is like, I'm terrified that you're not going to continue to have this great relationship with me afterwards. And that's the part I'm going to mourn. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a really fascinating dichotomy and way different than what people truly are worried about. It's so true. And I share this with clients who bring that up, which is like, 
basically all clients because that is a big understandable fear. But um, when I ran my agency, you know, we were part of our role was recruiting, vetting surrogates, educating them on the process. And interestingly enough, and intended parents find a lot of comfort when I tell them this, one of the concerns that surrogates would have um, is the exact same as what intended parents have. And they would ask the question like, here's the thing I'm concerned about. What assurance can you give me that I become pregnant with somebody else's child and the parents like change their mind because I don't want another yeah, child. Right. And they're scared of the same things. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and it's that one. And the termination question is the same issue as well, which, I mean, I know it's gauche to talk about termination publicly out loud, but you know what? We shall talk about it all, you know, yes. like, but Agreed. it's one of those like intended parents, they come to me, they're like, I'm terrified. What is she going to, she's going to just terminate my, my baby. And I'm like, no, that's not how it, you know, like that doesn't like gestational carriers don't just like decide to be done with this. And then on the other side, gestational carriers, when we talk about termination with them, they're fearful on the other side. They're like, they're just going to change their mind and they're going right. to make me terminate. And I'm like, no, no, nope. These are very, very wanted <laughs> pregnancies. Believe me, they are not going to spend this amount of money and just be like, yeah, it's Tuesday. I changed my mind. You know, like know. That's, that's not how this works. But both sides are afraid of the exact same thing from different perspectives. And exactly. so it's really interesting to see how similar they really are in all of their fears, just on the other side of the coin. It's so true. And one of my favorite thing, like I have two match meetings today and everyone's nervous going in, understandably. Mm -hmm. But what I love to see is when it's the right fit, it's like so many of these fears for both surrogate and intended parents, they're just lifted when these people now have a name um, that they know, a face, a story, um, you know, personality, and they become real. It's like you almost see the weight like lifting mm -hmm. off of everyone's bodies like, oh, my gosh, I can do this. Right. And that was perfect because my next question was going to be opposite of the obstacles. What's your favorite part of working in this area and doing this work? And I'd ask it of both of you. Yeah. Wait, why am I suddenly being interviewed? <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Stephanie <laughs> <laughs> well, has to go first. <laughs> okay, fine. I mean, it's it's the most obvious answer, which is the babies and the families and the you know holiday cards I get from the clients, just seeing these kiddos grow up. And I'm starting to feel old for the first time in the field. Like it's so funny when I aged out of being able to be an egg donor because like my the people I worked with were like my age um as egg donors and I was like oh I couldn't be a donor now if I even wanted to and I oh no now I've aged out of surrogacy <laughs> and now I'm seeing like you know 16 17 year old pictures of children that I was involved wow. in helping to create I'm like okay all right I I'm officially old but that's fine but no seeing those pictures and seeing the families like it's really the best thing and I'll tell you one amazing experience I had a, a few years ago that I'll I'll never forget um I had a prior client who invited me to the um child's first birthday and um they also invited like the reproductive attorney that assisted the fertility mm -hmm. doctor the surrogate the surrogate family so all the people that were involved and and most of them came Came, and we were there and at one point during the party um, the parents said I want to call a few people up here and they named all of us and brought us all up and asked everyone at the party to look around at this huge group of people saying like 
it took every single buddy, every single person up here to bring, you know, our daughter into this world. And it just goes to show how much love goes into and collaboration goes into family building. And, and, and so that's the other side of the coin that like, aside from seeing families be created, but like getting to work with like my team, the attorneys, the professionals, the agency owners, the fertility clinics, like getting to work with people who are as passionate as I am about building families and, and going through like amazing, days together and also really, really, I don't have to tell you this, but like really, really challenging days and the friendships and support that come out of that. Like it's, it's, there's nothing else like it. Like I cannot imagine ever doing anything else. I love that story, especially the part where the attorney was also involved. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. No one thinks people actually like attorneys, Ellen. (laughs) (laughs) Man, don't invite an attorney to a party. Oh, (laughs) I'd like it. Um, so sorry, Jen, since I'm making you a oh, part of this interview, do you yeah. have a favorite moment? I, you know, I, I probably couldn't it's, say It's it okay. Better, you can say right, working with the attorneys. Go ahead. I, working I mean, working I with do, the attorneys. I do like some of the attorneys. I won't name which names of which ones I do like. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it really, I, I couldn't say it better, quite honestly. It's the the good days, the highs on the good days of, you know, when there's a baby and when you receive a picture of somebody like that, those are amazing. And those hard days are hard, but those highs like this, I think sometimes our office, we're like, okay, hold on to this one. Lock this, lock this good memory away. Cause you're going to need to access it one of these days. When something <laughs> um, but uh, you know, like even some I get pictures from gestational carriers that they're like, Hey, the intended parents reached out and sent me a picture, you know, like, and it's like, knowing that those relationships are also still ongoing, that they are sending me pictures of either them all getting together or the babies that they help create. Like the joy of seeing that and how happy they are and that this family is is there and is amazing and is thriving. It is just beyond compare and beyond words and really just, you know, pulls you through every single day. And I mean, the professionals are good too, you know. (laughs) No, but that makes me want to cry because you're right. It's like, you know, these relationships don't um, become the same for all parties going through this, but when, when they're amazing, like these are lives changing and relationships that carry through time. I had a surrogate just this past weekend who lives in Southern California, who delivered about six months ago, for a couple in DC and she went out to DC this weekend just to stay with them and spend time with them. And she was sending me babies of her or pictures of her holding the baby. And it was just like, I mean, that's exactly what you were speaking to. It's so beautiful to see. I have one set that they go on date nights to get like still the independent uh-huh. parents and the gestational carrier and her spouse, they go on date nights. So they like together still, mm-hmm. I, you know, so like these relationships and these bonds that form can be incredible. I mean, we could, talk about the flip side and that sometimes things go wrong like that's a whole different podcast episode as well but you know but like the beauty of it is just absolutely amazing and is hands down my favorite part and I have met so many incredible and passionate people like that I am very proud to call my friends who are in this field and work and are all fighting for the same things to make sure that you know we are all leaving this world a better place for in the future Yes, completely. Um, I don't think you can do this work if you don't have that genuine 
desire to do as you said because of the reasons you said, which are some days are really, really tough. Yeah, I mean, burnout is real. (laughs) (laughs) It is very real. (laughs) Well, Stephanie, we are grateful to you for all the work you do and for this amazing resource you've put out there as well from the start, a book about love and making families. For all of you who didn't catch the title before, we recommend um, getting a copy. And do you have a, a sequel or any other books in the works that you want to preview? TBD. Um, We have ideas. They have not yet been put to paper yet. Love it. Well, we'll keep an eye out for it and we'll bring you back if that's the case. Amazing. I'm so grateful for you having me and for all the incredible work that the both of you do, both in your own kind of day-to-day jobs and also through bringing awareness through this podcast. It's really awesome. Thank you. Thank you, you, Stephanie. And um, thank you, Ellen, for, I guess, turning the hot seat on me. I don't know. I feel like you like interviewed me, which was very awkward and weird and definitely not planned. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Jen, for coming on the podcast and being also a guest. Good work. Right? I was like, I was not expecting that. I might have dressed nicer. Oh, wait, you guys can't see me. Never mind. (laughs) No, that was really fun. And I enjoyed it feeling like it was a a conversation. And since obviously Stephanie and I both just like totally fangirl over all of the professionals in our sphere and all of the amazing people that help grow families. So um, for all of you out there, though, if you want to fangirl or fanboy over us, you could definitely leave us a review on iTunes or at least click the little stars or give us a call at 303-997-1903. Or you could go buy that fun merch at our website oh, yeah. and definitely support the merch. Uh, I, I definitely get comments when I wear my shirt that says, I want to put a baby Great. in you birthday presents, um, Memorial Day presents. I mean, it's really kind of all occasions. Right? All occasions. It's appropriate for all occasions, Mm -hmm. definitely. But no, thank you as always to our team, to Melissa, to Tyler, to Amanda. And of course, thank you to all of you for being here and listening with us. 